Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Through it all, through it all, Lord, we've learned to depend upon your word. Thank you for being a part of our time together today. Our streaming family stretched out all over the place, and we just welcome you. We greet you in the name of Jesus. We pray that as we spend this time together, as we move from the time of worship into the time that the Word of God opened before us, that you will feel encouragement, you will feel hope, you will sense the ring of truth in your heart, and that we'll leave this time together blessed and refreshed, and with a fresh sense in our hearts that that the Lord Jesus Christ is in control and is in charge, and we can rest in him. You know, many of us, many of us, I'm sure, with all that has been going on in our country and culminating in an event even this last week, our question back to the Lord can be, is there a word from the Lord for your people? Is there a word from the Lord to your church? Is there a word from the one who was raised from the dead, who is seated at the right hand in the heavenly places, at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, far above every name that is named both in this age and in the one to come? Is there a word from the Lord, from the one who emptied himself and who took upon himself the form of a bondservant and became obedient even to the point of death and death on a cross? Is there a word from the one whom God highly exalted and bestowed on him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? Is there a word from the one who canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us and which was hostile to us, which he had taken out of the way, having nailed it to the cross when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public display of them, having triumphed over them, over them through him. Is there a word from the Lord? Is there a word from that one who holds the key of David, who opens and nobody can close, who closes and nobody can open, who says to us, I know your deeds and I know how you've lived for me. I know how you have humbled yourself. I know how you have walked in obedience unto me as best you can. Therefore, I have set before you an open door which no one can close. Is there a word from that Lord to us today? 
And I believe there is. I believe there is. And I believe that there are four specific aspects of that word to the church, the word to your heart and my heart today, from the heart of the Lord Jesus. The first one is this. I've got this. Trust me. I've got this. Trust me. There is a statement made by Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. A king who stood before an army that was too vast for him to even count, much less defeat was coming against him. And in his prayer to the Lord, he said, power and might are in your hand. Who can stand before you? Power and might are in your hand. Power speaks of a reservoir. Might speaks of the expressions that flow out from that reservoir. Power and might are in your hand. But there are other things the Bible would say that are in the hand of the Lord. Power and might, yes, yes. But David would say, my times are in your hand, Lord. The circumstances. The events of my life are in your hand. What a blessing to realize, and it needs to drop 18 inches, folks, with all the crazy things and the unexplainable things and the unanswerable things that can swirl around us, how awesomely quieting to our troubled hearts it can be for it to drop 18 inches power and might are in the hands of the Lord, but also the things that affect me and my family and my job and this country. My times, my times, my times are in your hand. And that hand is described, the the, the hands of the Lord are described as not being asleep, as not being weak, of not being limp, But that which is in the hand of the Lord is his power and his might and his power and his might available and directed to do what is necessary to take care of the troublesome spots and places in the events of our lives. The Lord's saying, I've got this. I've got this. You say, Pastor, why would you put something that that the awesome, holy God would say and put it in such ordinary terms? It's because that's how he wants us to understand that he cares about us. It, It matters to him 
Whether or not we sense that we are alone, we're orphans, we've just got to make it the best we can, or whether or not he wants us to to know, I am your father, and you are my child, and I want you to know my presence in your life. In John chapter 10, if you have your copy of the scripture handy, and you could find John chapter 10. It's an amazing expression straight from the words of Jesus of the Lord's heart. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Are you on a regular basis sensing that the Lord is speaking to you? That the Lord is giving direction, that the Lord is giving correction, that the Lord is speaking confirmation to you? That's why he put it this way. It's in the Bible. These words are in the Bible because Jesus wants us to develop the expectancy of hearing his voice in the affairs of our lives, in the days of our lives. It's not going to be audible necessarily, but in a way that he knows, you'll know it's from him. When you got saved and there was a, there was a new life brought into your, in, into your being, along with that, when you were born again, born from above, you, you receive the ability, you received a set of receivers spiritually to be able to hear, hear the voice of the Lord to your heart. But if we tune that out, if we say the Lord would never speak to me, then, then he may be speaking and we just write it off as being something that, that was just a thought or just a passing idea or maybe not isn't that interesting when really all along it may very well have been the still, small voice of God speaking to your heart. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. How are we going to follow him unless we know where he's going? And how is he going to let us know where he's going and why we are to follow unless there is a sense of having heard his voice? Oh, listen. I pray, I pray that especially during this time, in, in, the, in the situations in so many of our lives, in the life of our country, that God's people, the Lord's people, the Jesus sheep, would have great big ears and little bitty mouth. Lord, I need you to speak to me, and I'm expecting you to, and I'm listening for your voice. But then he goes on to say in verse 28, and I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish. Look at this. And no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Do you want to know what else is in the hand of Almighty God? It's not just power and might, but you. You are in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the hand of the Father. It's like it's a double whammy grip. Jesus has a hold of you. And then wrapped around his grip on you is the Father's grip around the grip of Jesus. Jesus is saying to us, as our hearts would be open to hear it, no matter what the circumstances may be in the life of his child, the Lord is saying, I've got this. I've got this. Power and might 
are in my hand so that no one can stand against me. When the one who says there is no power, there is no authority, there is no entity that has the ability to resist, to stand against me, and that one is the one who has a hold of you, who has you in his hand. Folks, what great news. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus saying, I've got this. My times are in your hand, David would say. The circumstances, the events, but even more significant than that is you are in his hand. You are in the place of his grip, the place of his reach where there is also power and might. The result being the Lord saying, so trust me, so trust me. I have the ability, I have the power and the might to cause all things to work together for good for those who love me and for those who are called according to my purpose. We sometimes smile when we say it. Okay, so what part of all am I not getting? I may feel like I'm standing in a situation, something has happened, something is threatening, that is concerning, frightening, confusing. To that, over that, about whatever that would be, here is the word from the one who holds you in his right hand. And in his right hand, right with you, is his power and might. And he is the one who says, I am the one who has the power to cause all things to work together for good in your life. To those who love me and are called according to my purpose. It's not saying that he causes all things, that he is responsible for all things, evil or cruel. But it is that his power is so great that those things that can be frightening and can be evil and can be just flat out wrong. He's saying, I have the power to cause whatever that is to end up working together in your life for things that are good. The word for good there means profitable, useful, excellent, Beautiful. We may not see it and so often don't at the time that those things are coming against us and, the, and, and the, the all things of a difficult type are being pressed against us. But here is, here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. I've got it. I've got that. I've got that. And here is my word to you. I have the power and I have the heart that even when things don't make sense and even when things seem to be hurtful and they would be at the time, I have the power to cause even that to work together for good in your life because you love me and because you've been called according to my purpose. There's a, there's a corollary to that truth. In Psalm number 37, would you find that wonderful psalm, probably one of the last ones that King David wrote, 
He reveals in this chapter that he was an older man, old man when he wrote this. But look, look, listen to what he says. This is verse 7, Psalm 37, verse 7. You rest in the Lord, and you wait patiently for him. In other words, you wait patiently for the Lord to do what only the Lord can do. Don't, Don't you be trying to run off and be God. Can't be God. You'll mess stuff up trying to be God. You, you rest in the Lord. You relax in the Lord. You, you set your hope in the Lord, and you wait patiently for him. And then he says, do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. And then this warning Do not fret, it leads only to evildoing, for evildoers will be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. I've got it. I've got this, the Lord would say. Trust me. Quit your fretting. Quit your stewing. Quit allowing yourself to be stirred up, fretting. He says, because fretting, that kind of stirred up heart, even though it may be, well, it's for a righteous cause. Somebody's got to worry about this. (laughs) Somebody's got to be stoked about this. But here's a word from the Lord to speak against even what we would think is righteous indignation. The Lord will say, you keep fretting, You keep staying stirred up, and it will lead you to evil doing. But don't do that. You understand, let this into your heart, that God doesn't miss a trick. He's not oblivious to some things and only attentive to other things. He sees it all. And our instruction is you, you rest in the Lord. And you wait for God to do what only God can do. Don't give yourself to being fretful and staying stirred up because that leads to evildoers. And then it says, and evildoers are going to be cut off. Cut off. They they, they won't reach their desired end. But those who wait for the Lord to do what only the Lord can do, They're the ones who will move into their inheritance in this life, in the land, as it would say. May we hold on to that. The Lord's saying, the Lord's saying, I've got this. Trust me. I've got this. Trust me. In our lives personally, in the close at home things, but folks, it's a word to the church in the United States of America that we are to look to him, we are to trust him, and we are to believe and have it settled deep in our hearts. God's saying, I've got this. I've got this. Trust me. So many of us came to know the Lord or, or grew in our relationship with the Lord when Andre Crouch wrote the words of that song that we sang just a minute ago, through it all, through it all. I've seen many mountains. I've seen many valleys. There have been times when I didn't know right from wrong. But through it all, the Lord was teaching me. 
that I can trust in his word. I can trust in his promises. I can trust in his heart. So could this be the first thing that I would ask that you just open your heart to today, that the Lord's saying, I've got this. Trust me. The power to cause all things. Be careful that you don't start trying to create a category, category of all that removes your particular big concern out of that promise. What part of all do we not get? But God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him. Do you love him? Do you love the Lord? Do you sense that you have been called by him for his purposes, called to him? Then you're right smack dab in the middle of that promise. Romans 8, 28, you are there. You are there. He's saying that to you and to me this morning. We are in that promise. We are in the Bible in that place. That my God, who has power and might in his right hand, my God, who is holding me in the palm of his hand, and around his grip around me is the Father's grip around the Savior's grip of my life. And he is telling me to rest. He's telling me to trust because he is causing all things to work together for good in my life. Amen. The second thing, the second thing I believe the Lord wants to say to us, his people today, is I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Lay it down. I will give you rest. Lay it down. Lay it down. Lay it down. So that the relief from not having to feel the burden and the weight of carrying something can be lifted off of you and you can begin to rest. Know his rest. Would you find Matthew chapter 11? Matthew chapter 11 and these wonderful words of Jesus. This is verse 28. Jesus is saying, come to me. He's looking out across people. You don't don't find Jesus dealing with political parties or international issues or trying to give decrees regarding Rome and, and causing there to be some kind of ongoing angst within the people he spoke to about here's how you can get rid of Rome and here's how you can have a better life necessarily by having a favorable government entity. He he just, he find it. It's not there. He's not trying to give some political course of action because he realizes that, that, that way more important than something out there is what's going on in here. It's not Washington. It's your street address and your house and your bedroom and your kitchen. 
and how you and I live and where you and I live in the daily routine of our lives. He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. The meaning for the word rest that Jesus used in the original language of the New Testament was the word permission. I give you permission. You come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you permission to let go of that which was causing you to be weary and causing you to be heavy laden. Folks, I feel like it's a pretty safe statement to say that over these last months in the life of our nation and the lives of many Christians, many Americans in general, we could have found ourselves in a place of cumulative weariness, worn out by what seems to be happening around us. And, and, and how do you know what to believe? How do you know what is truth about this person or that situation or that decision? How in the, so, so our minds, which means our emotions will be involved in trying to figure things out and trying to sort things through and trying to straighten out even our own thinking, it can have the effect of just wearing us slap out, as we'd say in Mississippi, just, just, just wearing me out. This, this is speaking of the things that are current, that the current pressures and weights. But then that word for heavy laden, as you may remember, is a word that speaks of something that happened in the past, something that happened before, and it may be years, decades before, but, but the effect of what happened then, the burden laid on you at that point in time can be just as real today as it was the moment that it happened. So Jesus is saying, I'm not, I'm not telling you to, to, to jettison your burdens and your worries, the things that have worn you out before you come to me. I'm telling you, come to me loaded up. Come to me loaded down. Come to me with the things that you haven't been able, you haven't been able to jettison, to lay down, to let go. But he's saying something is gonna happen to you when you enter into the sense of my presence, of who I really am, you're going to find that what has worn you out matters to me. What continues to be a great weight, a crushing load of burden, sadness, heaviness, abandonment, shame that started all those years ago, that matters to me. And I'm telling you, I can take it off of you. I can lift it off of you. But you know, why does he say it that way? Come to me. 
but because he understands that we're not going to get the freedom to lay down the things that wear us out and that have broken us and weighted us down from the past. We're not going to get that freedom from any other place. Because everywhere else, the externals will be, you just got to work your way through it. You, you just need to keep going. You just need to suck it up and keep going. To which Jesus would say, you come to me and I will give you rest. You come to me and I will give you rest. There may continue to be responsibilities as a parent, as a single mom, as, as somebody who, who, who needs work to support the family and, and, and pay the bills and so forth. There can still be those responsibilities. But there's another kind of, of, of sensing a responsibility when you've done what Jesus is talking about. You come to me. You give to me the things that have worn you out and the things that have weighted you down from the past. And here is what you will find operating in your spirit, in the depth of who you are. I will give you rest. Meaning that you have permission to turn those things, to give those things over to me. And then you begin to realize it's a supernatural thing. Your shoe size doesn't change. Your street address doesn't change. Still drive the same car, but something is different on the inside. You're realizing I'm not alone. I'm not without any resource. I've come to Jesus with my weariness and with the things that have been heavy. And in his presence, I'm sensing the ability to let them go and give them to him. You say, well, preacher, that's just a little too touchy-feely for me. That's just a little too mystical for me. Well, how's the practical side of that working out for you, sir or ma'am? I just got to stay under this. I just got to keep carrying this. I just got to keep worrying about this when the Lord would say, you come to me, and here's what you'll find in my presence. You'll find that I have the ability to take off of you the weight and the stress of that which has been wearing you out and those things that have broken you from times past. And I will give you rest. He's speaking of a deep rest for a deep tired. The kind of rest that you can't get just by trying to go to sleep all night with a, with a sleeping aid to help you stay asleep. Or just the kind of rest that if I just get a break and get out of town, I, I can get my wind back and go again. Those things can help with the shallower, more surface kinds of weights. But when it is the kind of thing that you can't go anywhere and it gives you rest. You can't take any amount of pills and it takes a load off. Jesus is saying, I know how to give you a deep rest for a deep tired. How did he say we get that? Where did he say we go to find that? Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. My presence. My presence. You seek my face. You, 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 you seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. It's as if, and I believe it is, he's saying, I'm giving you permission to not spending your life concentrating just on the things 
that have worn you out and to keep going back. See, and part of the thing there is sometimes we take on stuff that we were never supposed to pick up. It's a God kind of burden. It's a supernatural kind of weight. But somehow we feel like out of whatever our responsibility mode may be or our guilt position may be that I've got to get under this. I've got to get under this. I've got to carry this. Who's going to worry about it if I don't worry about it? I'm speaking this back to my, my brothers and sisters, American Christians, Christian Americans. The Lord hadn't assigned to any one of us the responsibility of healing the wounds in our nation or setting right the wrongs or, or decreeing and moving into the right direction. We can pray about those things. We can ask God to do those things, those works of correction and provision and defense and intervention. But it is only the Lord who can heal a nation. It's only God himself who can change the heart of a person. So sometimes, you, you know, you spend all your time listening to news and reading stuff, and it just seems like everything's going crazy, and it comes back, well, I got to do something. I got to do something. Here's what you do. You do what the Lord tells you to do in terms of particular obedience, but where we must be found is we just keep coming to him. We just keep coming to Jesus giving to him the burden, asking for his kingdom to come, praying for his will to be done. He is God and you ain't. He is God and I am not. And I can get worn out by stepping into burdens that were never my responsibility to carry. I believe he's saying to us, not only I've got this, trust me, but I believe he's also saying, I'll give you rest, lay it down. I will give you rest, lay it down. What's the it? The burden, lay it down. Doesn't mean we're just as if, acting as if it doesn't exist, but we're bringing it to him. We're giving it to him. We're giving it to him. Philippians chapter four, verse six. Be anxious for nothing. That's another one of those categoric words, massive, huge words, all and now here's the job, nothing. Because it's all things to work together for good. Now he's saying it in a negative, positioning in a negative way. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, through prayer and supplication or specific requests with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if we're saying, I don't have this peace of Christ, I don't have this peace of God guarding my heart, then we have to back up to the first part of the verse. Have we ever specifically brought to him taken to him with a, with a request attached to it, the places where we're anxious? Or have we just sat anxiously waiting for something to happen? Paul is saying God has the power and the ability in the heart to swap you out an emotion. He will swap your anxiety 
for his peace. You just keep every time there's something anxious that causes concern in your heart, some event, some circumstance, some person, you just keep giving that to the Lord and asking for his solution. Lord, I'm giving this to you. Show me what to do. Intervene, whatever you need. I'm making the request. You have permission to make the request and to keep making the request. And it says, not necessarily that the circumstance is going to change, that, 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 that the, in, the, in the external, it's going to be different, but it's saying that something in the invisible part of your heart will shift away from being anxious into the peace of God that passes all comprehension, won't make sense, won't make sense how you could one minute be anxious and the next minute be covered with peace and there hadn't been any check come in the mail, there hadn't been any change of anything in the natural, but the change has been something supernatural and you know it's supernatural because you know it doesn't make sense. Folks, I'm telling you, God sometimes will allow things that blow our hat in the creek, that cause us to be confused and so forth, because he wants to teach us this place of his blessing in your life, even when nothing has changed. But you've given to him the anxious places and you've attached the request to it. Even though the full answer to the request hasn't come yet, what has happened? is that he has swapped out your anxiety for his peace. Now, somebody out there has listened to this and in the thing, but I've got to worry about it. <laughs> that's my God-given call is to be a worry wart. Now, that's my gift. That's my spiritual gift, to fret, to worry, to stay bothered. Where'd you get that? You know, where'd that come from? It may make sense. It may seem to be the natural thing. But what if there's another way to live, folks? What if there's a higher plane of existence and enjoying life, even when the things that, were, that had made you anxious before are not necessarily all fixed, but you've given those things and those people and those settings and those needs, and you've just kept giving them to the Lord until there has come to be a difference in your heart. The peace of God. Surpassing all comprehension. Guarding your heart and your mind in Christ. Oh, and I'm going to get off on something here real quick. Just one more time. Steady theme around Alamo City. You can memorize all the verses on peace. You, you can study all the aspects of how great God is. You memorize so many verses that somebody pokes you and the table of contents comes out in the Bible and still not have the power that causes your heart and your mind to be at peace. Where does that come from? It comes from and through and by the flowing of the life of the Spirit of Jesus into your heart and giving you an ability and me an ability that we don't have unless the Spirit of Jesus gives it to me. If 
you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father who is in heaven give the Holy Spirit? It's present active. Give and keep giving. Give and keep supplying. Give and keep giving to those who are, and it's also present active, who are asking him, who are asking him, Lord, I need you. I need you for your spirit to guard my heart and mind by making your peace real. I can't produce that peace. I can't read all the verses about the peace of God and expect that that's going to happen to me. I get the information. I get the information from here. I get the transformation from the spirit of Jesus moving in my heart. The impartation. This is wonderful information. But the impartation of all God is and all he wants us to know comes when we learn. We learn. This is our go-to spot. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me, Lord. Give to me your spirit. He's the helper. One of the names of the spirit is the helper. He's been sent to help. But then the, 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 the premise of all of that is he moves as he's invited, as he's asked. So you're saying, I don't have any peace. I don't have any. Well, have you, number one, turn the things that are robbing your peace over to the Lord. And then the second part, have you asked the Spirit of the Lord to fill you? Have you asked the Lord to give you that peace? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's a better way to live than living your life as a negative, pessimistic, worried about everything. It's all dark. It's all bad. It's never going to change. There's another way, and it's when the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, moves in to guard your hearts against that stuff, to, to guard your heart and your mind against those things that are not true, that are not of God, but to guard your mind and your heart in the places that are God. Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. We say those two prayers that change everything. Jesus, save me. And Jesus, fill me. Jesus, you see, some, some of we got to just finally be brought to the conclusion that we can have a mind and we can have all this stuff factored and, and, and folded in our mind, thinking that if we just have the information, that's enough. No, it's not. And it never will be. Information, impartation. Information, true. Living truth, but the ability to believe it, the ability for it to come and transform our lives comes by the impartation of the Spirit. That's the difference when you go, when you're at the end of the Gospels, and those who had walked with Jesus heard his words for those three years, and yet they were paralyzed in fear. They had all the information, John would say, there are not enough books on the earth to contain all the things that Jesus said and did. They had the information, but they didn't have the impartation. That's what Pentecost was about. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you'll be able to be my witnesses. Uh, some of you are listening to, well, I don't know about the theology of all that. Spend your time trying to work all the theology out and then just live, live your life missing out on the power. The, 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 point, the point is not words. The point is power. That's what Paul said. 
The kingdom of God is not made up of words, but it's power. I'm just, I just want to reach out there and grab somebody's soul this morning and say, there is a better way for you to live. There's another whole dimension for a Christian than just thinking all that you're going to ever get is just trying to make yourself live up to the standards in the Bible and feeling convicted and feeling defeated and feeling, feeling shame when all along the Lord is saying, you can't do it without me. But if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven Give his spirit. Watch this. Watch this. No exception just for you or me. He gives his spirit to those who are asking him. Those who are asking him. I come to situations. I come to hours in the day. I wake up in the middle of the night and here's something that, and there's an anxious spot. There's a place there. Instead of trying to beat it down, make it behave in your own strength, what if? What if there's something called the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension, any ability humanly to understand how it happens and how strong it is and who it's meant for? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, comes to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God Peace is not an academic, intellectual, mental thing. Peace is something you feel. Why is it that all of those nine manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit are emotions, not actions? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Every one of them, emotions. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the birds start chirping a little louder, the sky gets a little bluer, the breeze is a little cooler, life is just a whole lot better when you realize that is the heart of God. To bless you, not just with, I'm, I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven, but when, when that down payment of heaven, which is the, the earnest of the spirit Paul speaks of in Ephesians, that comes to dwell in your heart and the sense of his peace and his joy and his love. Okay, okay, let me move now. I believe he wants us to hear, I've got this, trust me. Secondly, I'll give you rest I will give you rest. Lay it down. And the rest doesn't come after the bill is paid. The rest doesn't come after, healing, after the healing has happened. The rest doesn't come after the wrong has been made right. The rest can come right now. Right where you are. That's the miracle of it. If, if it was only promised after the bills were paid, after the problem was solved, we wouldn't need this miraculous supernatural work of the Spirit to accomplish it in our lives. But he's saying before anything changes, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. The third thing I believe he would have us to remember briefly, not only I've got this, trust me, I will give you rest, lay it down. But third, I will refresh you. 
let me. I will refresh you. In John chapter 7, it records that Jesus stood up on the great day of the feast, the, the, the pinnacle, the, the apex of that particular feastly, Jewish feastly celebration. And he looked out across a mass of people doing their religious stuff. They had the Bible in their heads, that they were wanting to honor him with their outward obedience. And, and many, many evidently it was from the heart as well. But here's what Jesus said. And, and the language in John 7 is, is some of the strongest that is used describing the actions of Jesus of any place in the New Testament. Jesus stood and it says, he cried out, he cried out, he cried out. This is God in a human body. Not just speaking, that would have been powerful enough. The, the private discourse with Nicodemus in John 3. Or his meeting with the disciples around a campfire, under shade tree, wherever they were, and he was teaching them things. But this one was so important, so necessary, that God in a human body stood up and God shouted it. What did he shout? If anybody is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For out of his innermost being, out of her innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. John interprets this he spoke of the Holy Spirit who was not yet, to, who was not yet given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus understood that going through religious motions. They were in the temple. You'd think of all places, if you're going to get a, if you could get a buzz out of being in a religious location, certainly it would be the temple in Jerusalem. But Jesus looked out across a whole bunch of blank-faced individuals going through their motions, doing what they hoped and thought was right, and here is God, here is God out of heaven crying out saying, religion, doing what you're told is right, religion doesn't have the ability to satisfy the thirst of your soul. I will satisfy the thirst of your soul. Come to me, come and keep coming, come and keep coming, present, come and keep coming to me. And I will give you a drink. I will refresh. I will refresh. I will refresh. Folks, listen. At this season in the life of, our, of America and the life of the church, one way or the other, the Lord's going to teach us walking with him and serving him and being all that he would want us to be in his sight is infinitely farther more than just doing what's right and standing over what's right and not doing what's wrong. That is important. But you can be doing what's right and dry up. You, you can be forcing yourself to, but the Lord Jesus is saying, I want you to be able to do what's right out of a well-watered heart. I don't want you to be trying to chase down what's right and, and fight against what's wrong as if those commandments are going to give you life. 
They won't. They can't. Only Jesus is the fountain of living water. And he says, you come to me. And he's speaking to this. If there was a moral crowd on the earth, face of the earth at that time, it would have been these Jewish people bringing their families and bringing their offerings on the high and holy day of that particular faith, feast. But he says to them, you're thirsty. And I see the effects of thirst on your face. Your heart is thirsty. You come to me. And I'll give you drink. Well, what's he talking about? Speaking of the Holy Spirit, speaking of the flow of the rivers of life, rivers of living water. You ever experienced that? Have you ever known what that is? No, but pastor, I've got discipleship manuals. I've got six bookshelves full of discipleship manuals. That's not what I asked you. Rivers of living water. Unexplainable. In the dry, sad, hard places of your life, where somehow, some way, from the inside of you, the joy of the Lord began to rise as your strength. Then instead of it being, I've just got one more thing to do, and I just better keep my quiet time at this time, and I better, I better do this, and I better do that. If you're using your quiet time as a tool to make God do something, that he's not prepared to do or he has something higher for you, then you just need to be prepared to just close your Bible for two or three weeks, leave it on a shelf. If in the doing of that, there's no sense of his presence. It's not words, it's power. That, it is his grace. It is his heart of love. He would love you if you never knew John 3.16. You would matter to him if you couldn't quote the books of the New Testament. You wouldn't mind. It's not that those things are bad, but if it just becomes another means of works, if I do this, God's got to do that. What's the difference between that and the Old Testament? We're supposed to be under a life of grace. We're supposed to be made up of a company of free people, set free. I do what I do for Jesus because I want to now. Not because I have to. Not because I better but because I want to. That his life, his life is the joy of my heart. Refresh me. He wants to refresh me. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you up with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I realize what I said a minute ago could cause some folks to just kind of scunch up their noses and their faces and think, I don't know that I could go with this. When I said that about the ritual of your quiet time and the ritual of a quiet time giving you information, but there's no sense of impartation. What if the Lord is trying to cause us to understand this is where we get the information. 
This is where we learn better how to live, better how to be a husband, better how to be a wife, better how to be children-honoring parents and employees and employers and all of those things and the wonderful principles that the Lord promises to bless. But what if it is true, church, that God never depended, he never intended for this book to be a substitute for us asking to be filled with the Spirit enabling us, imparting to us the ability to understand this and to be changed by this. He never intended for your Bible marked up and even worn out to be a substitute for your reliance upon the Holy Spirit of Jesus to fill you, to empower you, to create in you, cause there to be coming out of you that ninefold fruit of the Spirit. And boldness, not just because I'm told I'm supposed to be a witness for Jesus, but boldness when you don't even know that's what's going on, but there's so much in your heart, you got to tell somebody about him that you can't keep your blooming mouth shut. You know, it'll hurt me not to say this. So I'm telling you what I believe is true about who Jesus is and about what he can do and what he wants to do in your life. You, you don't get that kind of energy just by trying, by trying to copy Peter and Paul and John. That happens when the spirit of the one who gave us examples of how, what, what it's going to look like when he fills us. When that comes off the pages of this cherished, precious, all true, every bit accurate book. And the information is changed by the impartation of the literal, actual presence of Jesus Christ himself filling you up with himself. Oh, my goodness. Well-worn theme around here, but I pray our hearts will be encouraged to go there again today. When there are things I can't do, when there are emotions I can't conquer, when there are bents in me that I can't seem to break, Instead of those being places of hopelessness, they become the places of greatest hope because it's a reminder that I have a helper. And if I will go to him, if I will cry out, if I will say, Lord, fill me, just allow the Spirit to do what you've given the Spirit to do, then he will. And I can. And the life that God has intended for all of us to live, we can begin to move into it's not information, it's impartation. It's not information, it's impartation. It's not information, it is impartation of power, of strength, of the power of the Spirit. His ability to refresh us. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, but also if you're thirsty, come to me and I will give you drink. You know how good a great big old quart mason jar on a hot day full of sweetened iced tea like you're supposed to do it with some lime in it or lemon in it. And it's just sitting there and you're finishing up yard work or you're finishing up whatever in your job or wherever it might be. And that thing's just sitting there. It's just sitting there. And you can see the moisture condensing on the outside of it. And it's rolling down the sides. It's rolling and you've got sweat coming off. Jesus is describing the same kind of thing in a spiritual vein. You're working yourself sweaty 
in religious things, and that doesn't have the ability to satisfy your thirst. I'm offering you that which will satisfy your thirst. But it's not just one quart jar, quart mason jar of iced tea. He describes it. Rivers of living water flowing up from the inside and flowing out of you so that not only are you satisfied, but you got stuff to give away to other thirsty people. Somebody's saying, oh, that was just for then and that was just for spiritual people. Who, who, who was Jesus saying this to? A boatload of fishermen, a tax collector, somebody who was called Simon the Zealot, and two crazy brothers that he nicknamed the Sons of Thunder. Now you tell me what kind of Bible school any of them graduated from, Huh? No, he was talking to real people, real men, real women. And he's saying, there's something more than the temple grounds. There's something more than the the rules and regulations. It is by means of a relationship with me. When you come to me thirsty, you will see, you will sense, you will know that I have the power to refresh you. And to keep you refreshed. The last one is this. Not only he's saying to us, I've got this, trust me. I will give you rest, lay it down. I will refresh you, let me. This last one briefly. I'll carry you. I'll carry you whole still. Have you ever tried to pick up a child who didn't want to be carried? You know, they're, they're, they're not infants. They're three, four, five, six, whatever. But for whatever reason... You know you need to pick them up to carry them over something, to carry them through something, to get them quickly away from something. But when you pick that little wad of energy up, there's everything going on with that body that causes you to think, I want to carry them. It's going to be safety for them. It'll be good for them. But great Scott, I'm going to lose them. They're squirming. They're, they're flailing. They might even be kicking. Would you note this verse? This is Isaiah. Isaiah verse 46. Isaiah 46. Verse 3, middle of it, you who have been born by me, you who have been carried by me from birth and have been carried from the womb, even to your old age, I shall be the same. And even to your graying years, I shall bear you. 
I have done it, and I shall carry you, and I shall bear you, and I shall deliver you. Each place you see the word B-E-A-R or bear, it's a synonym for the word carry. He repeatedly says, I will carry you. I will carry you. I will carry you. I wonder if there's somebody out there listening today, any of us in this room, and we, we, need, to, we need to check ourselves at this point. What if there have been places where the Lord wanted to carry us, but we didn't let him carry us? We were kicking and squirming, and I believe the Lord is saying to us today, Christian Americans, San Antonio followers of Jesus, wherever you may be, the Lord is saying, I will carry you. I will carry you. Hold still. Hold still. Does that make sense? You know what I'm talking about when I'm saying that? Hold still. Just be still. I will carry you. I've carried you in the past. I've done things for you. There were times when you were too weak. And if I didn't carry you, you wouldn't have made it. I'm saying again that the season in your life and the places you're too weak, and the places you don't understand, and the places that you don't have supply, and the places where you don't have companionship, I will carry you. He doesn't say, I'm going to put you in a wagon, hook up a donkey to the wagon, and tell the donkey where to go with you in the bucket, in the wagon. I will carry you. I will carry you. I will carry you. Hold still. I've got this. Trust me. I will give you rest. Lay it down. I will refresh you. Let me. I will carry you. Hold still. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added afflictions, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. Fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resources to share. Lean hard on the arm, everlasting availing. The Father, both thee and thy load, will upbear. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power, no boundary known unto men. 
For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Lord, may it be, may it be that these will be more than words, but these will be the impartation, evidence, reflections of the impartation of your life, of your strength, of your spirit's power in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, my friend, if you listen to this and, and, and this, this sounds good and you could ache for it, I would just, it's very simple, but it's very important. If you've never opened your heart up to receive Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord, I want to invite you to do that just right now. You don't need to wait, but right where you are right now, the best you can, Jesus, I ask you, to come into my heart. I hear these things with my brain, but what I need is help in my heart, my want to. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my heart and change me. I ask you to make your presence known to me. And that, that is how, my friend, that's how I pray for you that the Lord Jesus will just continue and in ways maybe you hadn't recognized before. But he's going to make his presence known to you. And the ability to receive him will be easier. And the joy will begin to rise in your heart. To those of you who need someone to pray with you, or a band of praying brothers and sisters to gather around a need in your life, just Simple email, Pastor Walker, alamocity.org. Our intercessors will get right with it and right on it, and we will look forward to learning back from you what the Lord is doing to accomplish his will in that particular need. Amen. Bless you for being with us this morning. Thank you for taking the time. We'll close together with a, with a song of praise this morning. Again, Lisa, there's no God like Jehovah. That's true. Amen. God bless you. God, let us hear from you if we can help you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Walker.